0: This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. (laughs) Boy. Tonight I just watched Biohazard from 1985, a movie that's supposed to be an alien knockoff, I suppose. Uh, It's a film that's probably just shot in either southern california with probably no permits what have you really cheaply done and then by the end of it you find out that through the end credit sequence that they didn't take this movie seriously at all they tried putting a blooper reel on top of that and a rockabilly song during the credits so it's just Ends up being a waste of time, but it's pretty fast, though. I mean, nothing happens, but it's just basically, let's line up some rednecks to kill with some very unconvincing gore effects. I mean, they just didn't know where they wanted to go with the gore effects. You get your, a couple of topless scenes, but then again, it's just brief and really filling in that, uh, well, what's going to make people rent this in the 1980s feel? Uh, There's nothing great about the cinematography, the soundtrack is eh, just okay, I suppose. It might be the best thing about the feature. The acting is phoned in by everybody, but I will say they're at least actors. I mean, I've seen no-budget movies with people really just not knowing what they're doing, so... You know, people are faking their way through a script. There's nothing really rewarding about it. And honestly, the biggest thing I'm concerned myself with is... Is the monster a child in a suit or a little person in a suit? So it's just... Good thing he's got a suit so he can not be known for this feature. So... Not worth any time. This was pretty much just inspired because it was a $4.99 offer on iTunes, and I just was curious. Thank God it was streaming free on Freebie. Previously on 94 Chill, the podcast. So just chatting with my older sister, and we started with the riff tracks for the most part, and just pondering, what do you think makes for the best riff tracks? I mean... I have not really gotten around to watching my vast collection of them.
1: There's a lot out out there, especially now that they've been offering more free services like Tubi.
0: Well, what I was suggesting more of like, okay, well I have the Indiana Jones stuff. I have the Star Wars and, I mean, Rift Track's the reason why I own a copy of, digitally, of Godzilla 98, because they gave me a free code when I saw Mothra. Right. Obviously, with the Riffrat Tracks channel, you're not going to get a chance to really see the, some bona fide classics they decide to make fun of, i.e. your Jurassic Parks with Weird Al Yankovic,
1: right. uh, uh, Joe have...
0: McHale on Red Dawn.
1: <laughs> I have a handful of uh, pro ones, and Red Dawn, at least, is available as VOD track. When it comes to what works for Riff Tracks and what doesn't... I do find that the regular riffers do seem to find a niche after a while. Like, Bridget Bridget Nelson and Mary Jo Peel have been doing a lot of naturally more feminine stuff, but they've also been doing a lot of 1940s B-movies. The the Teenagers series from the 40s is particularly fun. in which they were all clearly people in their thirties and forties playing teenagers.
0: <laughs> so basically, what was the Karate Kid?
1: Yeah, it's it's like cute little comedy musicals. Well, I'm... and but they get a lot of funny jokes out of those. Mm-hmm. That they, they've also. Been doing more TV movies lately, especially 80s TV movies with a whole bunch of TV
0: stars at the time. Right, stuff you would definitely get to see on Pluto, pretty much, because nobody really wants to see those movies anymore otherwise. Yeah, stuff,
1: stuff you can get, like, pennies on the dollar at this point. Ah, okay. A lot of them you can find on Tubi un mm. as well as rift.
0: Yeah, so I would imagine it's not going to be too far before Stuart Gordon's Daughter of Darkness probably ends up on that.
1: They have been doing a lot of full moon material, full moon feature
0: mm-hmm. stuff. Right? Well, I think CBS money was actually <laughs> backing that. Watch, watch it on Tubi. You get the boobs. Don't, don't what? Don't try to catch it like on some Paramount Plus. But, but pops- what I was getting at, more or less, right. is that you know what are you looking for? in A riff track? Are you looking for something you can play over your? Classic to give a new take on it. I mean, I've re-classics loosely still because I ended up buying a copy of Twilight New Moon because, oh, it's another freebie. Right. No, it is fun to get a different perspective
1: on stuff you like. I mean, just looking at the preview for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Okay, so that's what Neil I Neil was... Patrick Harris, that's an all-timer.
0: <laughs> okay, so in other words, don't spend your money on any of the... Dare I say crap titles?
1: Not necessarily. Sometimes when they get a little ambitious, it's worth a look and then you can like maybe rent it on VOD or something. Well, but what I mean by
0: crap titles is we're talking birdemics, your space being used. A lot of
1: those aren't the VODs are available cheaply or on Tubi now.
0: That's why, yeah. You don't
1: have to worry about that so much. When it comes to the higher profile titles where you do have to do a little more legwork to, you know, maybe you have to rent the movie on, like, on demand or... Amazon Prime, iTunes, yeah, got
0: it. Yeah.
1: I would say that more for titles, you know you already like enough that you'd like to see a different take, like the Jurassic Park movies or Independence Day for me. And at the same time, there are some guest shots or concepts that are so ambitious you want to see them do it, which is the case with the Batman v Superman riff, where they switch off the riffing teams every
0: twenty minutes. Okay. Which reminds you, it, if you're sharing an Amazon Fire stick account, <laughs> don't rent something if you know if hey, this is something my little brother might have watched and purchased. I
1: didn't realize that at the no, time. I but I rented it because I want to check out the riff tracks for it. Mm. And on the one hand, it is clear every team working on that one because it Mike, Kevin, and Bill do the first and last 20 minutes. They book in, they do the bookends. But in between, you have Trace Ballou and Frank Conniff ah. for 20 minutes. They get to do the actual fight between Batman and Superman, and they get a lot. They get a lot out of that.
0: Look, I don't think the Martha thing is as funny as people say.
1: Bridget and Mary Jo do twenty minutes. Uh, Matthew Elliot, Matthew and Ian, mm-hmm. the English guys who do some of the Rick Treks presents, they get twenty minutes. The guys who mainly write for riff tracks rather than do actual riffing do 20 minutes okay. because it is a very long movie, they're just doing the theatrical cut, but it's a very long movie, mm-hmm. and also it's clear everybody was feeling varying amounts of pain having to work with
0: this movie. Look, I know you say it's <laughs> ambitious for what they did. But it all makes sense if you watch the extended cut. Batman vs. Superman is not as bad as people say. Rory, your opinion on uh, Batman vs. Superman?
1: I only watched it with the rift tracks, and I don't think it could have stood without that I mean, There was no excuse for Jesse Eisenberg to give that performance.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. That is...
1: One of the biggest running gags in the tracks is just nobody can stand that guy.
0: (laughs) But I've worked with so many people who act exactly like that. I thought it was quite authentic.
1: They also get in, uh, just have some great timing in the tracks, such as at the end when Superman, you know, they're having the funeral down for Clark Kent down in Smallville. You see Bruce Wayne and Diana over there. flyover states I know right (laughs) can I hear a wahoo